Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, I have a meaty middle for National Coffee Day, a quick and dirty tip about the word smoky, and the Lord of the Rings-themed familect story. September 29th is National Coffee Day, so raise your mug and take a sip, because today we're looking at some of the weird words we use to talk about coffee. Let's start with the word coffee itself. It comes from the Turkish word kave, K-A-H-V-E-H, and it seems to have come into European languages around 1600. That's because coffee beans were first brought from North Africa and the Middle East into Italy in 1615, and then into France in 1644. There, the Turkish ambassador to France, Suleiman Aga, helped to make coffee the it beverage of the court of Louis XIV. The European aristocracy became enchanted by the thick, hot beverage, and the rest, as they say, is history. Back then, the word coffee appeared in a lot of different forms. Chaona, kave, kauhai with a K, kahu, kaffa, and kaffa. Eventually, these all settled down into the coffee we know today. Over time, we've come to know coffee by a bunch of different terms. We've called bad or poorly made coffee battery acid, belly wash, and sludge. And a certain brand's coffee is sometimes called charbucks by those who don't appreciate really dark roasted coffee. We've called fake coffee Boston coffee, Canadian coffee, and crumb coffee. These so-called coffees were made in the U.S. after the Revolutionary War, when Americans were abstaining from tea because of high British taxes— yet also suffering from high coffee prices. These three coffee substitutes were made respectively from rye, peas, and burnt bread. I can't really imagine how they would have tasted. Today, we often refer to coffee by the way it's made. Drip coffee, press coffee, mocha pot coffee, instant coffee, and siphon coffee, for example. Americans have borrowed the British expression a cuppa, referring to a cup of tea, and now use it willy-nilly to refer to a cup of coffee. And of course, we have all the made-up names for coffee we could ever want, courtesy of today's gourmet coffee shops. Unicorn frappuccinos and caramel flan macchiatos are just two of many. One of the most common ways we've referred to coffee in the past century is to call it a cup of joe. But why do we do that? The real answer is that we're not quite sure. But there are some theories. One theory is that it's named after Josephus Daniels, a U.S. Secretary of the Navy. In 1914, he banned alcohol from being served on Navy ships. After that, coffee would have been the strongest drink allowed on board. So the theory goes, sailors started calling coffee Joe to spite Secretary Josephus. The problem is, most alcohol had already been banned on Navy ships 50 years earlier. A daily ration of grog was once normal on Navy ships, but an 1862 edict put that practice to rest. So by 1914, the only hard stuff that would have been left was wine served in the officer's mess. So Josephus's ban wouldn't have had much effect on the average, well, the average Joe. Another theory is that this name for coffee is based on an African-American spiritual written by Stephen Foster called Old Black Joe. 
There's a comic strip from 1911 that describes this phrase as meaning coffee without milk. The problem is the comic is making a joke, suggesting that when that song is played in a restaurant, it means a customer wants coffee. The song itself never mentions coffee, and the song was popular way back in the 1860s, so it doesn't make sense that it generated a slang term that wasn't popular until the 1930s. The most likely reason a cup of joe means a cup of coffee is that joe is a shortened form of jamoke, which is a combination of the words java and mocha. Remember how I said that coffee was exported from North Africa and the Middle East starting in the 1600s? Well, Dutch traders at that time wanted to get in on the action. They began moving into Southeast Asia and Indonesia and set up coffee plantations on islands like Sumatra, Bali, and Java. They probably used the term Java to refer to coffee beans grown on that island. They were essentially the original advertisers of single-origin coffee. For some reason, the term Java took hold with the public. Over time, it came to mean coffee generically, not just coffee from that island. At the same time coffee was being produced in Indonesia, it was also being produced and traded in Yemen. That's where Arabica coffee beans originated. They're native to both Yemen and Ethiopia. Traders buying coffee from Yemen had to stop in the port city of Mocha, and from there they often sailed on to Java. When they combined the beans from those two countries, they created Mocha Java also known as Jamoke. And the shortened version of that, of course, is Joe. That's our best guess as to why a cup of coffee is called a cup of Joe. I hope you enjoyed a cuppa today, and I hope it was more unicorn than sludge. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com and on Twitter as dragonflyedit. Hey, it's Mignon. Do you need a new literary show to add to your podcast queue? Well, then you definitely want to check out Missing Pages, the chart-topping and Signal Award-winning podcast produced by The Podglomerate. Back for a brand new season, Missing Pages investigates the most pressing topics in the book world today, from the rise of Colleen Hoover and book bands across America to the world of ghostwriting. Not to mention host and acclaimed literary critic Beth Ann Patrick interviews some of the biggest names in the industry, like New York Times bestselling author Jody Pico and Publishers Weekly co-editorial director Jim Milliot. And as The Washington Post and The Guardian said, Missing Pages is a, quote, must listen. And I agree. So don't miss out. Follow Missing Pages today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries. So you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. 
Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and bestselling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi. We're now solidly into fall, and in the western United States where I live, we've had horrible smoky summers for the last few years because of forest fires. But this year wasn't so bad, and I'm feeling a little less worried now that the temperatures are getting colder. And feeling grateful for getting a reprieve from a smoky summer this year got me thinking about the word smoky. Between Smokey Robinson, Smokey Bear, and the movies Smokey and the Bandit, which are all spelled with an E, you can be forgiven for thinking the correct spelling for the smell of burned wood is S-M-O-K-E-Y. But it's not. The correct spelling is S-M-O-K-Y, with no E, Smokey. The confusion is largely Smokey Bear's fault. The poor guy has more important things to worry about, like preventing forest fires. But when the U.S. Forest Service gave the cartoon bear his name in 1944, they spelled it with an E to make it different from the word Smokey. And all the bear's time in the limelight led to spelling confusion. Then, in the mid-1970s, truckers started calling police officers Smokey Bear, or just Smokey because state trooper hats looked a lot like the hat worn by our firefighting friend, Smokey Bear. The Smokey in the movie Smokey and the Bandit was a Texas County sheriff named Buford T. Justice, played by Jackie Gleason. So when Smokey is a nickname for an officer of the law, it's spelled S-M-O-K-E-Y with an E. But otherwise, drop the E. Here's a quick and dirty tip to remember that a policeman or ranger's nickname is Smokey with an E. Think of officers keeping their eyes on you. Eyes, a word with two E's. Finally, I have a familect story from Levi. This one has a Lord of the Rings theme, and I chose it because just a couple of days ago, September 22nd, was the 82nd anniversary of the publication of The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. And the day is affectionately known online as Hashtag Hobbit Day. Hey, my name is Levi, and I've really enjoyed getting to know your podcast. My family-like story, although I could pick from many because my family is weird that way, but the one that comes to mind the most is uh, my family has started, at least me and my wife have started, talking about taters. We always say taters precious because of the Lord of the Rings movie where Gollum and Sam are talking, and Gollum says, what's taters, precious? And he says, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew, which later on, someone made that into a song on YouTube, which I thought was hilarious. But after that, we actually, for whatever odd reason, started saying taters, precious, just all of the time. It caught on, and me and my wife actually forgot that we were doing it. She would come home and say, what were you making? I'd say, oh, I'm cooking some steak and some taters precious. And we forgot that it was even that we were saying it. Lo and behold, of course, one day someone else comes over and I casually say taters precious. And they say, huh, what's taters precious? 
To which me and my wife laughed and said, you know, potatoes. So that's my little family story. Thanks so much for the podcast. Bye-bye. So I didn't remember that specific scene, but I checked YouTube and found the clip and the song Levi mentions, which is pretty hilarious. Here's a short clip, and if you want to hear the whole thing, just search YouTube for Taters Precious, and it's the second or third hit. Also, I keep getting messages from people who aren't sure what I'm saying when I talk about a familect. The word is a blend between the words family and dialect. So a familect is your family's dialect. For our purposes, it's words or phrases that your family and only your family uses and have interesting stories behind them. If you want to share your familect story like Levi did, leave a voicemail at 83-321-4-GIRL, and you might hear it on the show. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me at the home of my podcast network, quickanddirtytips.com. While you're there, check out the latest episode from the Money Girl podcast about whether you should stop saving for retirement to get out of debt. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sims, and that's all. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries, so you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and bestselling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart, every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.